David advised us, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. Tell him what you're feeling. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him what you're going through. He will not be shocked, I promise you. For God is a refuge for us. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Sometimes it's the personal sacrifices that cost us the most that end up blessing us the best. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today we're continuing the series on the unsung heroes of the Bible with a look at an extraordinary woman named Hannah. You know, it's a repeated theme in the Bible that when we experience the pain of barrenness, God often steps in with an extraordinary act of grace. It was just that way with a woman named Hannah, who could not conceive a child, though her heart broke for one. Out of her pain and anguish, she prayed to God with a promise, Give me a child, Lord, and I will give him back to you. Well, God heard that prayer, and Hannah stuck with her part of the bargain, making her one of the great unsung heroines of the Bible. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share the message, Hannah, Mother of a Champion. When we first meet Hannah, and I'm so thankful the Bible tells the truth about the people that are in it. It doesn't whitewash them, doesn't uh, embellish their life. When we meet Hannah first, she's a woman of sorrow. She has great sorrow. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that Hannah was miserable and in bitterness of soul. Now, she was a woman of God, but that did not insulate her from experiencing the tough knocks of life. And being a Christian doesn't either. And so she's in sorrow, and when we look at her life and study her life, I see three reasons why, and I can certainly understand the first one. She was in sorrow because of the times in which she lived, because they were backslidden, godless times. I think of Lot, who it says every day his righteous soul was vexed by what he saw and heard in Sodom and Gomorrah. Hannah was vexed and made sorrowful partially because of the time she lived in. She lived in the time of the judges. And the times of the judges were the times when Israel backslid over and over again, chronically backsliding. They would backslide. God would turn them over to an enemy. They would repent. God would send a deliverer. They'd get delivered and go right back into backsliding again. And it was an endless cycle of this backsliding Repentance, deliverance, backsliding, repentance, deliverance. It was a very grim time, darkest hour in Israel's history. There's no king in Israel as yet, so there's no stability of government. It's a time of turmoil, time of confusion. It's a time when Israel is vulnerable to the Philistines who are breathing down their neck night and day, threatening to come in and attack them and wipe them out at any moment. These giant men, the Philistines. It's a time when they are morally depraved. 
and spiritually backslidden. Their religion had grown cold. There was no life to it, no joy to it. It was all ritual and duty and empty, meaningless action with no heart to it. Dead religion, cold. And with the death of Samson, the country was divided and leaderless. Moral scandals were rampant among the family of the priests. In a nutshell, the nation of Israel was weak and it was impotent. And worst of all, chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and there were not many visions. That's bad. Imagine if you right now did not hear a word from God for not weeks, not months, but years. There was a famine for the word of God. He wasn't speaking to them because of their backslidden condition. And because there was no vision, there was nothing to look forward to, nothing to wake up for. There was no open vision, no vision from God. And without vision, the Bible says the people perish. There was no vision. God had nothing to say. The nation needed a great leader and a great man, and God needed a great woman to shape that great man. And Hannah stepped onto the stage of history. But not like she would have thought, and not like we would have thought, she steps onto the stage of history as a sorrowful woman. Sorrowful because of the condition of her nation, but also sorrowful because of her family situation. In fairness, I've got to tell you that there was a positive side to her home life. We read that she was married to a man named Elkanah, and Elkanah was a worshiper of God. He did the best that he knew to do. He was a worshiper of God. Every year, he led his family up to Shiloh, where they sacrificed to the Lord and they worshiped. And he was a worshiping man who had a sensitivity to the things of God. And he loved Hannah very much. Here was a man who loved his wife and led his family in spiritual things. He was the one that led in prayer and led in worship. And I want to say to you men here today, you husbands, I have performed a lot of weddings in my life. And I'm going to tell you, I always look at the man and I always quote to him what the Bible says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it and washed her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to God faultless, without spot, without blemish. And I tell the man when I'm marrying them that he is about to take on a whole new anointing, the anointing of the priest. And he's going to be the spiritual leader of the home. And guys, can I just tell you, lead your family, lead your family in prayer. Be the one who says to your wife, let's pray. Let's go to church. Let's worship God. Let your children find you in the place of prayer, reading your Bible, seeking God. This was Elkanah. And we can learn from Elkanah a lot about being a good husband, a good spiritual leader. And you might be wondering, well, if she was married to a guy like this, and why is she sorrowful? I mean, he, he loves her and He's a worshiper of God. He's leading his family in the way of the Lord. Why was she sorrowful? Because Elkanah had a problem. He had been influenced by the world. The world had weaved its way, snuck through the door of their home, and influenced his mind. And it manifested in his overstepping God's plan for marriage by taking a second wife and living in polygamy. Now, you should know that God tolerated polygamy in the Old Testament, but it was never his highest will. It was never his best. 
It always caused problems. There was always strife in the home because of it. Think of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Think of all the examples in the Bible where polygamy brought conflict. Because God made marriage for one man and one woman. Period. That's it. Never will you ever find me marrying two men or two women. It's not going to happen. And I just want to say that. Uh, You say, well, that's hate speech. No, it's not. That's the Bible. It's God's plan. Jesus said, and I digress a bit, but Jesus said, he said, have you not read that in the beginning God created them male and female? Therefore a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What becomes one flesh? One man, one woman, one man, one woman. Not two men or two women. One man, one woman. That's just God's plan. Now, This caused incredible problems, and we see from Elkanah, the good side is, loved his wife and sought God, but the bad side is, he made this worldly decision, and we learn from him that the more of the world that we allow into our homes, the more we suffer for it spiritually. Let the Lord Jesus be as present in your home as he is in church when we worship him. Can you imagine if we had church at home and then came to church, what would happen here, the power that would be released? We ought to come in skipping into church with a smile on our face instead of dragging in saying, you better preach me up, pastor, because I'm down. No. Home is supposed to be a place where God dwells. Amen. God should be there. Now, Elkanah's error in judgment adversely affected the relationship that he had with Hannah. His second wife's name was Peninnah, and she did as her name sounds. Her, I can't say her name without thinking of a pen. And Panina stuck, jabbed, harassed Hannah. As we're going to see in just a moment, she was a she-devil he brought into the home. A daily vexation, a constant critic of all things Hannah. And she drove Hannah into abject misery. And they had a rivalry going on that just brought such unrest in that home. Hold that thought, and I'm going to share with you the third reason that Hannah was sorrowful, the main reason. She had no child. She was childless. She was barren. Now, in the Old Testament, bearing children was hugely important to a marriage relationship and to the fulfillment of a woman. Now, in the Old Testament, they didn't have a lot of scientific understanding, so they looked at a barren woman as being under the curse of God. Now, that wasn't always true. We do read where God closed a womb or opened a womb, where a woman could have children or couldn't have them, but all barrenness was not because of the curse of God, but that's the way it was seen. So Hannah felt like she had a strike against her, a major strike against her with Elkanah. The Bible says that each year, Elkanah, Hannah, and Peninnah went up to Shiloh to worship God. And in their worship ritual, there were certain sacrifices that were offered. And when they were done making their sacrifice to God, a portion of the sacrifice was returned to those who had offered it. Now what the family would do when they got this portion of the offering returned to them is they would enjoy a sacrificial feast. Well, 
Because Elkanah wanted to assure Hannah that he loved her, even though she had not been able to give him any children, he gave her a double portion of those leftovers. Well, this did not win points with Peninnah. Because here they are, it's sacrifice time and then it's feast time. She gets her portion, all her children get their portion. But then Elkanah walks over to Hannah with double portion, a double portion. And this stirred the pot of jealousy like nobody's business. And in retaliation, Peninnah began to taunt Hannah where it hurt the most her barrenness. She would gather her children around and say, gee, Hannah, I'm so sorry you can't have any children. You know, we both know that Elkanah would love to have a child by you. I'm praying for you. God bless you. You just can't have any kids. Children, say hello to Aunt Hannah. Stick, 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 Penina stuck. Hannah prodded her, mocked her. The Bible says that Penina became her adversary. And provoked her greatly to the point that Hannah was miserable. What a picture of the devil. Because you see, all of us have areas in our life where we're barren. Areas in our life where there is a lack. And the enemy comes in when you are barren, when you've got that lack. He comes in like a penina. And he begins to prod you and stick you and harass you and mock you and ridicule. And even try to cause you to question the reality of God in your life. If God were there, why would you be barren? Why has God left you like this? Why do you have this lack? Why don't you have something in this area of your life? Why are you going without? Prod you. He wants to make you miserable. He wants you to give up. He wants you to faint. He wants you to quit believing and trusting in God. Penina just kept at it and kept at it day by day, week by week, month by month. Well, you say, well, where in the world was Alcana during all this? He was being a typical man. He thought his love and concern for her was more than enough. I've got to quote his words to you. What a guy here. He says to his sorrowful wife, Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. <laughs> what a guy. But he didn't stop there. Isn't that better than having ten sons? I can almost hear her, Dude, no. But I respect you too much. Don't you understand I want a child? Don't you understand I want this reproach taken off of me? Don't you understand that to have a child would make my day, make my year, make my life? Now, I learned a long time ago, and here's the lesson from Hannah, that it's not what happens to you that matters most. It's how you respond to what happens to you that matters most. Now, I'm going to say that again. Please catch this because, listen, unfair things are going to happen to you in life. You're going to have times of barrenness in your life. There are times when life isn't going to give you what you thought it should or thought it would. Sometimes you're going to feel cheated, sold short, coming out on the short end of the stick, and you're going to have to have a response to it. You will respond one way or the other. And it's not what happens to you that matters most. Whether or not you get through it successfully in God and come out on the other side is how you choose to respond to it. So let's consider Hannah's response to these different adversities. Here she is. She's trapped in a terrible situation. She feels like she can't get out. She's married to a good man who made a big mistake. 
She is being heckled in her own home under her own roof. There is another woman, another wife, who is making her life miserable, who is mocking her, ridiculing her on her case all the time, rubbing in her greatest weakness, her greatest heartbreak, reminding her of it every day. How do you respond to that? What do you do with that? When you're in a situation you feel you can't get out, there's no way out, there's no exit door. What do I do? Do I just live in misery to the day that I die? How do I handle this? I want to look at her response first. Here's what she did not do. She could have spiraled into a fit of inconsolable depression, but she did not. She could have begun to numb herself with alcohol, which was plenteous in that day. She did not try to lose herself in a bottle. She could have given up on trying to live a godly life and blame God for all of her trouble. Some people do that. Well, God, if you were real, I would not have this barrenness, so you have not been good to me, so you must not be what I thought, so I'm going to walk away. She did not do that. She didn't blame God. She didn't hold her fist up at God. She didn't go back to her mother and seek solace and comfort. Mom, can I live with you? Nope. She never sought out another relationship for comfort. She went to the only one who could possibly help her, the living God. She turned to God. Now, I want you to see what she did. She did three simple things. And I want you to walk out with this wisdom today. This is the wisdom of Hannah, an unsung hero, this mother who produced a giant in the faith. The first thing she did is she trusted God with her pain. She trusted God with her pain. She didn't trust a bottle with her pain. She didn't trust another man with her pain. She didn't trust self-pity with her pain. She trusted God with her pain. I recently visited a church member in the hospital emergency room, and they were in a lot of pain. And it was just me and this other person in the emergency room waiting for the doctor to come in. And so I was looking around this little area where they keep you, and I noticed hanging on the wall was a chart for measuring a patient's pain. And it had one through 10. And above every number, it had a face with a different expression on it. One had a person smiling, like, I'm okay. By the time you got to 10, they looked like they were about to die. And there was every, all these different levels of facial expressions on the way to the 10. One, I'm barely hurting. 10, I'm in agony. If you had been able to get Hannah into that emergency room and said, where are you on that chart? She would have said 10. I am in inward agony. I'm a 10. The Bible graphically describes her pain level. First Samuel 1 verse 10 says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, crying bitterly. Here's another version. Hannah was in distress of soul, praying to the Lord and weeping bitterly. The Message Bible puts it this way, crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried and cried inconsolably. She could not be consoled. This woman had reached her wit's end. It happened on one of those trips to Shiloh. Here's the whole family, Peninnah, Elkanah, Peninnah's kids, and Hannah. She gets there, she can't do it another time. She can't go in there and worship like she used to. She's got to have a breakthrough. You know what I'm talking about. You know the way that it feels. Sure, I want to go to church, but my need is so great. 
I've got to have a breakthrough. I don't care who's looking. I don't care who knows. I don't care what people think. I'm going to break before God and I'm going to cry out for a breakthrough and I'm going to pray until he gives me an answer. And right there in front of God and everybody, she fell to the ground and she broke and she began to sob. And it says she was under such stress and such distress that she did not enunciate her words, but just mumbled with her lips. She was in such pain. And the backslidden priest, Eli, was standing there. And he said, woman, you ought not be drinking this early in the morning. She said, I am not drinking. I am overwhelmed with sorrow. I have got to have a son. My heart is broken. Please pray with me. And as the priest, he said, May the Lord give you what you request. He had the authority of a priest, even though he was a backslidden priest, and his two sons were defiling the temple. She received that word. She stood up and she went on with the family ritual and went back home after the worship time was over in Shiloh. She poured out her pain to God. Do you trust God with your pain? Do you really? Do you trust him? David advised us, trust in him at all times, you people, all times, not sometimes, not most of the time, not a few times, trust him at all times, you people, pour out your hearts to him, tell him what you're feeling, tell him what you're thinking, tell him what you're going through. He will not be shocked, I promise you, for God is a refuge for us. So she said, Lord, I can't take it anymore. Here's my pain. I'm trusting you with my pain. Here it is. I'm giving it to you. But she didn't stop there. She went from there to trusting him with her prayer. And she had a simple prayer, only five words. She said, Lord, give your maidservant a son. Well, have you ever prayed a prayer like Hannah's? One where you promised God that you would respond with one thing if he would do another? Hannah teaches us that if God answers such a prayer, we should definitely follow through and do our part. Because she did just that, Israel was blessed with an amazing man of God and prophet of the Lord. Now don't touch that dial just yet because we've got some exciting things to share with our Life Talk listeners you're going to want to take advantage of. And thanks again for making Life Talk a part of your day, as well as for your prayers and financial support. Life Talk now reaches into every state in the Union on over 530 radio stations. This is a miracle of God. Only a few short years ago, we were on just one station. And suddenly God began to open doors we didn't even pursue, allowing us to take His Word to tens of thousands of people daily. And you, our listeners, are a part of that. And I encourage you to check out our Life Talk website and access our large library of podcasts and other things I know will bless you. Just go to lifetalkradio.us. That's lifetalkradio.us. And be sure to join us next time as we continue with part two of the message, Hannah, Mother of a Champion. Until then, may God's rich blessings be yours. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff Wickwire of Turning Point Church and host of Life Talk Radio program. You know, one of the most valuable things I ever did for my ministry was getting my degree. And that's exactly why we launched Reach Bible College and Seminary at Turning Point Church. Whether you've been in ministry for years or just getting started, Reach Bible College and Seminary will help you reach your goals. 
Our affordable bachelor and master degree programs are designed to incorporate practical ministry alongside a sound theological education. So why wait until you finish your education before starting your ministry? For more information, visit us online at reachdfw.org. That's reachdfw.org. You can apply online and enroll for our next semester. That's reachdfw.org. So step out and be empowered in your ministry today. Hannah, mother of a champion, is the fifth message of Pastor Jeff's series, The Unsung Heroes of the Bible. You can own a copy of this 10 CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The Unsung Heroes of the Bible, for only $50 plus shipping. By logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.